Would you pray with me? Thank you, God, that we don't always have to be striving. We don't always have to be pressing on to earn more or do more. That today we can remember that you created us to worship you. And that when we worship you, we are doing all that you demand of us. And so, Lord, may we learn to come and rest, to come and rest in your presence. And today, Lord, I ask that you would pour upon me the gift of preaching, that my very frail and broken and human words might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word, uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray it with great confidence. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're in a Lenten series called God's Story is Bittersweet. And last Sunday, we talked about how God, in choosing to take human form, elected to experience not only joy and happiness in life, but also the pain, sorrow, grief, and death that defines human existence. In other words, God wants to ensure each and every one of us that he truly understands both the bitter and the sweet in life, and that we are never alone, that he promises to always be with us in all our circumstances. To help us understand God's embrace of the bittersweet during Lent, we're going to zoom in on various bittersweet scenes in Jesus' life and ministry that demonstrate this. And today, as we heard, is Jesus' presentation at the temple. Luke writes, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Every faithful Jewish family, whether rich or poor, would have made this journey to Jerusalem to perform these sacred rites for their firstborn. It would have been a celebratory day filled with great joy. It would have been a family day, a day when friends and family gather around and support them, much like when we celebrate a child's baptism here. Yet the visitation that made Jesus' day unique from all the others in the end is all about perspective. Perspective in so many ways is everything. I walk and bike on Buffalo Bayou regularly, where there are fantastic views of downtown Houston. This is a picture of downtown I took from the Jackson Hill Bridge, which is about three miles from uh, from downtown. In the next picture, I box two buildings. You can see the red and the blue. Um, I get a phone call at one point from my son, Craig. This was back a number of months ago, and he was talking about the new building being built downtown. And we had a conversation about that because uh, when you see the next picture, actually this building is not downtown at all, right? You can see the blue building that was in. Go back one to show it again. So you can see the blue and the red, right? And then flip it again. Look how far away it is from downtown. This is actually on Allen Parkway, this building. It's a brand new building. It's only been up for a little bit, right? Um, Perspective radically changes how we see and comprehend things. If you're standing on Jackson Hill Bridge, it looks pretty much like it's all downtown. And then you go up Allen Parkway, and all of a sudden this huge building is not anywhere close to downtown, at least relative to the other buildings. 
Jesus had two surprise guests at his presentation, Simeon and Anna. What gave Simeon and Anna their unique perspective to not only recognize Jesus, but to also be confident that they heard a message from God to share with his family? Think about that if you were there that day, right? What would it take? What kind of perspective would it take for you to be able to recognize Jesus and to be able to hear from God in such a way? The scripture says Simeon was righteous and devout and the Holy Spirit was upon him. In other words, he knew, trusted, and relied upon God. Anna had planted herself in God's presence for decades as a widow, turning the grief of that widowhood into lifelong prayer. Waiting on the Lord became a daily practice for her. So where does this perspective come from, right? They've They have practices in their lives. So it's intimacy in their relationship with God that gave them this unique perspective they needed to comprehend before almost anyone else what God was doing in Christ in the world. That's pretty amazing. And so regarding the bittersweet this morning, this is the sweet in Mary and Joseph's experience. For Mary and Joseph's joy only grows as they hear Simeon's prayers and Anna the prophetess's proclamations about Jesus. Once again, after angels and shepherds, a star and wise men, Mary and Joseph are reminded once again of God's great kingdom plans for their son, Jesus. Yet, as we've all experienced at times, even when things are their sweetest, it doesn't mean the bitter isn't far behind. The scripture says the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Can't you just imagine Mary's bright, smiling lips almost instantaneously morphing into a straight line of concern and then lower still into a frown of fear? Simeon's blessing them. He's part of the what? The rise and the fall of, and then the sword piercing. You know, there's just this change that seems to happen at the end of the message. I mean, she had to wonder what part of Jesus' destiny, which involves the rising and falling of many in Israel, would cause her soul to feel as if it had been pierced by a sword. I kind of wonder in this moment, when Simeon is blessing her, if God gives Simeon a vision of how the story ends. And all of a sudden, he's seeing it, and then he speaks to it. There's nothing a parent fears more than anticipating the pain and suffering and sorrow and grief their child will experience in their future. Sword-piercing soul indeed. And truth be told, that's how we feel about anyone whom we love's future. It's so painful to imagine a loved one experiencing pain and sorrow and grief. It's so bittersweet knowing every person we have ever loved will die. Yet, as Christians, we face this knowing that our God is faithful. He has us. 
That's what this story is all about, you guys. While the story doesn't tell us how Mary integrated such bittersweet news into her life, the story does give us some needed perspective from Anna and Simeon. Jeff Peabody writes in Christianity Today, While their age might seem incidental, in truth, it highlights the limits of their stellarness. Despite being above reproach and worthy of admiration, they could not lengthen their own days. Both were aware of their own frailty and their inability to change it. Simeon and Anna are at the end of their lives, and yet they trust God enough, think about this, to be satisfied even though they won't live to see a single day of Jesus' ministry. They're satisfied. They're rejoicing. That's a faith that I don't find often in my own life. Instead of, instead of all the evidence in my life that God is faithful, my faith lags behind. And I often say, God, what have you done for me lately? I forget that, like Miss Kelly said this morning, in Jesus, God is showing that he said what he meant and he meant what he said and he's faithful 100%. And Simeon and Anna's trust in God's faithfulness, right? They trust in that faithfulness, that he means what he says, and he says what he means. There's intimate relationship with God that gives them the spiritual perspective that they need to see what God is doing around them without making demands on God. They don't ask God to lengthen their days. They accept that God has them in his hand, even in death. Another author, Peter Moore, writes, As Simeon draws the baby close to him, he at the same time releases himself to God. He he senses at once he has seen the hope of Israel, that is the Messiah. He can now let go of life and depart this world peacefully. At this very moment, he is able to surrender control of his own destiny. We naturally do the opposite. We grasp hold of our destinies, and in so doing, we let go of Jesus. What a bittersweet moment for Simeon. And the fact that this experience is bittersweet is what makes the moment so meaningful. I want to say that one more time. And the fact that this experience is bittersweet is what makes the moment so meaningful. For the poignancy he's experiencing as he draws the baby close and releases himself to God, even though sad, is also joy-filled. It fills his life with meaning. This has to be one of the most significant moments in Simeon's life. These bittersweet moments that Mary and Joseph, Anna and Simeon experience demonstrate that perspective is the key to leaning into the fact that every life is bittersweet. And more, that its bittersweet nature is actually what brings our life its sense of fulfillment and meaning. Happiness is a relative thing, psychologists tell us. So if if you don't ever allow yourself to experience sadness or pain, your experience of happiness changes. Happiness is relative. That's the bittersweet in life, right? This is why we have to learn, as we see Mary learn to do over Jesus' life, as we see Simeon and Anna doing here in this story, 
We have to learn to lean into the pain, accept the pain as part of life, embrace the pain, even make it part of us. That's how we accept the brokenness. And in doing that, our joy and our happiness is transformed as well. And poignancy is able to have meaning in our life. So how do we discover God's perspective for our lives that help us embrace life's bittersweetness? How do we grow in our faith to be able to live such lives? Simeon and Anna show us it's all about spiritual practices that draw us closer in our connection with God. It's all about spiritual practices. Their perspective on what's central in life involves creating space to spend time connecting with their creator and their savior. It's the perspective to remain teachable. That can be a hard one. And to grow in spiritual practices, to be willing to grow and to learn. Practices like prayer and worship and studying the Bible. And through these practices to learn to trust and rely on the Holy Spirit more and more, as Simeon did, right? It said the Spirit was upon him. The Spirit led him into the temple courts. I know that seems crazy. It seems crazy that we can know what God wants, and I can't tell you that that's how I live my days. It's hard, but it's something we should strive for. There are certainly moments when I feel like I really am being directed by God in certain circumstances. There was a story that that a woman told me, first person, like this happened to her family. They had lost their job. They were behind in all their payments. They didn't have enough money for food. In the middle, like nine o'clock at night, they get a knock on the door and a stranger knocks his knock. They open the door and he's got bags of groceries. And he says, I don't know why I've been driving around the neighborhood, but the Lord told me to give these groceries to you. First person story. I don't know how that guy knew (laughs) which house to go. I don't know. But God did that. And I think the more we learn to practice and get the proper perspective, the more we're able to receive the Spirit and to follow the Spirit. As we grow in our ability to pray and worship and study the Bible together, as we grow in our trust of God's Spirit to guide us, Like Mary and Joseph and Anna and Simeon, we learn to trust God enough to lean into the bitter and the sweet in life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, As we sing in response to God today, um, I'm hoping you're really going to, if you've been here over the last six weeks or so, um, this is a, we're, we're mashing up like five different things that we've done in the past. And so hopefully you're going to know these choruses as we sing them. And I want to continue to encourage you to experiment in saying these words to God. Believe God's in the room. Sing these to him. Give God your worship right today. And so if you would, stand with us. We're going to start with the verse and chorus to I Need You, which I think most of you know. Without 
Yeah. Every- 